welcome to Let's Be Zeal, a podcast show that will bust the fitness myths and call out the bullshit within the health industry. I am Matt and I've spent the majority of my career helping people become the best version of themselves. Hello, hello and welcome to episode 2, Diets Are Dead. In today's episode, I will be talking about why I think diets are dead, or at least dying. First things first, let me just clarify that I'm not a qualified nutritionist. Even though I do have a qualification in nutrition, it means absolutely F all, and and don't let a personal trainer tell you they are a nutritionist, unless they have obviously taken an accredited course. This content is my own opinion. If you do get triggered by this content, uh, this podcast probably is not for you. I'm here to give my honest opinion about the research I have read as well as retell my career as a personal trainer. If you don't get triggered but want to discuss my opinions with me, you may agree or disagree with me, that's absolutely fine. Please do not hesitate to contact me, message me directly. Maybe we can even organise a future podcast together to express our opinions. With all that rubbish stuff being said, let's dive right into today's episode and find out what is a diet. So, in simple terms, a diet relates to the food and drink we consume. As species on Earth, we all technically have a diet. It's as simple as that. If you were to Google the word diet, the definition comes as the kinds of food that a person, animal or community habitually eat. Now the word habit is essential in that sentence and I'll refer back to this later on. Even when a person says the word diet out loud, I guarantee we think of restriction. We think of control, weight loss, maybe even a specific diet regime you've done in the past, maybe a 5-2 diet or intermittent fasting. So at some point in our history, we as a global community have molded the word diet and changed it to be considered a plan of action to monitor the food and drink we consume. And I know down the line, around the early 1900s, a number of books were published which started to introduce the controlling and restriction of foods that we eat, initially kick-starting the calorie counting regime. Now, calories in versus calories out is simply how weight management works, and I don't care what anyone else says, it is. As humans, we can be considered as machines, we need fuel in our bodies to stay alive, just as much as cars need petrol or diesel. So moving on, I could spend the majority of today's episode discussing terms such as total daily energy expenditure, or TDEE, or basal metabolic rate, BMR. As these are important, I will quickly and simply um, tell you that We need a certain number of calories to stay alive and any form of movement or energy expenditure will require extra calories to keep us going. Ultimately, the more energy we burn up, the more energy or calories we need to consume. So, hopefully, without getting too boring or scientific, I truly believe human diversity. Uh, It's amazing as we are all different. There is not a single person on this planet that will be identical to you. Even twins, who are obviously considered identical, will be very much different on the inside. 
And no, I'm not talking about their emotions. I'm talking about their human biological function. Which brings me on to standardization, a fantastic word I love to use. And how the health and fitness industry in pretty much everyday life relies on standardization. The clothes you buy, the shoes on your feet, and even the desk chair you sit on at work. These products we use on a daily basis are all standardized to some degree. Basically, they are developed by manufacturers to fall into the law of averages. And I think that's what's wrong with the world. So people are considered average, but in matter of fact, we are all completely diverse. There are too many external factors that make us specific to ourselves. This transfers directly to the government's recommendations of daily calories to consume. This happens all over the world. Different countries have different numbers. Essentially, it's just a standardized number that obviously has some relevance as we do need to quantify the spectrum. But at the end of the day, this will never suit the human race as we are too diverse from one another. In the UK right now, men and women are advised to consume a certain number of calories within one day. And now it does have some relevance. I don't really stick to it. Uh, but for some, that number will be relatively correct. If you stick to that number, um, you may possibly maintain your weight as energy expenditure is equal to energy output. It's that in versus out. However, any form of external factor will scupper that concept. Let's say, for example, the elevator is broken at work and you need to take the stairs. There's more calories being burnt. You arrive at work late, as I always do, uh, so you have to park on the street over the road and walk into work. That is more calories being burnt than expected. Which obviously sounds great, you're burning more calories than you thought and you haven't even stepped inside of a gym. But then hold on, wait, it's Jane's birthday, oh my god, you're in the office, it's Friday, you've had a slice of cake and a glass of rosé on your lunch at work. You've obviously had a lot more calories than expected. You'd normally have a cup of tea and an apple, maybe half a sandwich if you've got time. All I'm trying to get at here is that things change, we change. We aren't always programmed to do the exact same thing on a daily basis. So why do we need to follow a robotic standardized recommendation based off the law of averages? Truthfully, some things in the fitness industry are a complete guess. At least we use or at least we try to use algorithms and data to decide how many calories we burn, perhaps say whilst using a fitness machine. If I was to hop on a rowing machine and blast out the hardest 15 second sprint I've ever done, the machine will guess how many calories I would have burnt in that time. And most machines in the modern gym will have that function. And although somewhat useful, it can be very misleading as well. The rowing machine does not know my gender. It does not know my height, weight or age. And these factors all play a significant role when it comes to burning calories. What the function does do is give the user a bit of consistency. If you were to take a program from a PT that has a specific calorie burning session within a set time, you will be able to monitor your fitness progression across a number of tests, let's say over the four week period. With that being said, I'd even try and stick to the same brand of rowing machine as there may be a slight discrepancy with the calorie burning algorithm on the display. So in the health and fitness industry, 
I consider this to be the most accurate, inaccurate thing we have. In the modern day gym, this is very similar to the body fat percentage on your commercial scales. Um, the reliability of this is somewhat accurate, but again, can be very misleading due to the fluctuating response to not only daily results, but hourly results. The most accurate, almost gold standard way to measure a person's body fat is a term called hydrostatic testing, which sounds fancy, but you're literally sat in a swimming pool with a scale and you're asked to blow out all of your oxygen from your lungs and then obviously your weight is taken. But even this fantastic gold standard method still has its flaws um, with you know human error, so nothing's perfect. So we're probably halfway now. Uh, through this podcast and what do we know so far we know that the word diet is simple it's the food and drink we consume we know that in the early 1900s calorie counting became somewhat popular and somewhere down the line calorie counting just wasn't enough for the world as other regimes became popular So moving on to the second half of this podcast, you're in for an absolute treat. Let's dive straight in and we're going to disregard what's right or wrong or what's the best diet. Essentially, marketing is the winner. It's paramount. In the 21st century, we have science, we have the internet, we have all the information we need to understand how our bodies work. Or do we? On a daily basis, scientists from across the globe, they research and publish conflicting content to suggest one method is superior to another. Companies have airtight marketing plans that could sell water to a fish. And again, if we were to disregard what's right, wrong or what's best, marketing has a huge part to play as to whether you'll try a diet or not. In 2004, the BBC stated that around 13 million people in the UK are permanently on a diet. And by diet, they mean a controlled or restrictive diet for weight loss, not the natural historical diet that means any food or drink we consume. Now, 13 million people are continuously on a diet in the UK, which sounds pretty popular. But if diets are so successful, then eventually people would not need to diet in the future. But every year, another 13 million people rotate through the diet system year by year. Millions and millions of people diet, which leads me to discuss the term yo-yo dieting, which is commonly known, I think, to some. But essentially, it's the polar opposite of sustainability i will also introduce one of my favorite words which is habits and a few of my listeners know if you have trained with me over the years uh, they know i'm a big fan of molding or creating habits but let's first start with some definitions and on this show you will definitely have your fair share of google definitions So you're in for a treat. Here we go with our first one. Sustainability simply refers to maintained rate or level. Nice and easy, that one. Habit refers to a routine or behavior that is completed subconsciously, so without thinking. And yo-yo dieting describes a pattern of losing weight, regaining the weight, and then dieting again to lose the weight again. So during this podcast, I have been saying that diets are dead and pretty much saying diets do not work. And to some extent, I still think this is true and always will. But diets, honestly, they can work 
if they're done correctly and if being the power word they have to be sustainable in my opinion they have to be habitual if an individual starts a diet they're already investing themselves into becoming better so naturally they will become more conscious of what they're eating and drinking regardless of the name of the diet and how much they paid for it it's just a natural occurrence of what will happen so typically Let's say you start a diet plan that costs £50 from your amazing PT who claims to have all these fantastic qualifications in nutrition. Or you obtain a £300 plan from a certified nutritionist. Either way, whoever you buy it from, how much you pay is irrelevant because straight away you will probably see some form of improvement. Unless, of course, you're eating like a knobhead and you start your diet tomorrow or next week or after your holiday, or when the birthday cake is being finished. So even more so, this happens if individuals are financially invested. If someone has spent their hard-earned money, of course they're going to try and do well. But sometimes it's not the diet that's working for them. It's their self-consciousness that's making them more aware in the supermarket, that's making them more aware in the restaurant and in the pub on the weekend. They will naturally make better decisions, which is one of my favorite tips I give to my clients. Essentially, it's all about decision making. If you're in the position of privilege and have a choice of food, then make the decision. If you want to eat the birthday cake, by all means, celebrate, enjoy and have a fucking slice of cake. It's from there where you need to make a decision. Let's be super extreme in this next scenario and set the scene. You come to me and your goal is to become the next model for Hollister in fantastic shape with a rig of a god. That slice of cake will really make your life difficult because of the need or want of that god-like rig. So for someone who wants something specific like a six-pack, you will have to be stricter in the kitchen. That's not rocket science, it's common knowledge. Now the majority of my clients have different goals. They do not want to be the next model for Hollister. Truthfully, they want to lose a bit of weight. They want to become fitter and also become a bit more confident in doing so. So the slice of cake will not ruin their life. So fucking enjoy it. Now, this is where it gets interesting. As you've had your cake, you've enjoyed it, but there's a few more slices left and you don't want it to go to waste. No one likes wasting food. This is where you have to make your decision. Do you have another slice or are you satisfied with the slice you've previously had? One slice of cake is nice. Two slices were on the edge of prolonging our goals. Three slices and something is probably going wrong in the kitchen and we need to find out what is triggering that decision. Another tip I give my clients is for some people that do count their calories, as I know it's not for everyone, and I for one definitely do not count my calories. But if you do, try calculating your week's worth. Stay away from daily counting, and what this does is create a bigger window. It allows a bit of room to dance, and by dance I mean having a few beers and cocktails on the weekend. Let's say you give yourself 2,000 calories a day. This is obviously just generic random number. That's 14,000 in the week. Monday to Thursday, you absolutely smash it. You eat well, you drink your water, you go to your spin classes, you run your five-kilometer run. 
But now it's Friday. Your pals have invited you to the pub for a few drinks after work. And because you've been good during the week, you can now enjoy your Friday booze with a few guilt-free pints. And again, this is where it comes down to making conscious decisions as at the end of the day, we are privileged to have a choice. How bad do you want your goals? If you want to be the next Hollister model, you best stick to the diet lemonade. If you want to lose three pounds this month, then fuck it, order another round. You can live your life while still being sensible and hitting your goals. If you do have a bender on the Friday, I hope you enjoyed it. But eat clean on the Saturday and work fucking hard in your next gym session. To be healthy, it's about give and take. It's about freedom to do as you please, but also remember our decisions make a difference. A term called intuitive eating, uh, which is a fantastic sort of regime that is a hot topic at the moment. This term will have its own episode. That's how much I want to talk about it. If you can't wait for that episode, then message me directly or give it a Google. Jump on YouTube. There's plenty of books. There's plenty of videos and articles out there that can explain intuitive eating. But quickly, it means not giving a flying F about food. Okay, maybe not quite like that, but eat when you're hungry, eat what you want because you've changed your mindset on food, because you respect your body. You understand that food is neither good nor bad. There are no connotations to food, it is merely fuel that we put in our mouth. So remember, this section will have its own episode because it's a hot topic at the moment and because I'm such a fantastic podcaster. I'll cover it for you guys, no problem at all. Now, let's move on and remember, diets do not always mean to lose weight. There are a lot of people out there who find it act- uh, that find it difficult to actually gain weight. I've worked directly with clients who found it physically hard to gain weight, so it is natural. Again, the same principles apply. If a client of mine had goals of gaining weight or adding size, it would be too easy to suggest chocolate bars, sweets, crisps. So even gaining weight, the diet has to be sustainable, healthy, and eventually become habitual. So for me, again, a bit repetitive, but diets have to be sustainable, meaning you can do it for the rest of your life, or as a minimum, you can complete your diet without changing your lifestyle dramatically. It also has to be habitual, which does come from sustainability, as the more the diet or behavior is completed, the less likely the individual will have to think about it. It's almost opening up your fridge and having the ingredients already there to cook a healthy, well-balanced meal. With that being said, modern day research also suggests some interesting things. That dieters are more likely to actually gain weight after their diet regime is finished. Again, this is falling into the category of yo-yo dieting. People think that it's the diet alone was the factor that helped them lose the weight. So as soon as they stop the diet, their old habits come back and unfortunately they gain the weight. Or even sometimes, as the research suggests, they gain even more weight. Quite ironic. But for me, I think this solidifies my thoughts on dieting and why diets are dead. We need sustainability. We need to mould our habits and again, interestingly, scientists suggest that around 50% of our daily actions are habitual. 
meaning we don't need to consciously think about doing them. So if we just take a moment and think about our first hour of the day and let's see what decisions and what actions are potentially habitual. So we wake up 7.30, 8.30, you might be a 5am kind of guy, but you probably stretch. You stretch, it's a bodily movement that you probably don't think about it. We get out of bed, we put the kettle on, we make a cup of coffee, and again, that routine, you probably do not need to think about step-by-step guide of how to make your cup of coffee. It's habitual. We then clean our teeth. Again, that three minutes of action, you don't need to count the teeth and you don't need to have a system in place to clean your teeth. The action is subconscious and you don't need to think about it. You can even jump in your car and complete a two-hour journey. You rock up at your destination and most of the actions you've done during that two hours were subconscious. Gear change, indication, handbrake, brake, hopefully. You know, you don't have to think about it. Especially if you're driving for a few years. Um, Obviously, if you're a a new driver, um, you may have to consciously think about the decisions you make and the the behavior of your car journey. So transferring this concept into the kitchen, we obviously have habitual routines all the time. Your treat box or your sweet box or your crisp box is in the same cupboard and it has been there for years. So you can probably walk into your kitchen with your eyes closed and open a bag of quavers. Some of you are probably closing your eyes now, thinking about your kitchen and your beloved sweet box. Other flavours from crisps are available. If you have a beer or glass of wine after work, that's probably some form of habit loop that rewards your body with the sip of beverage. You can finish work at five, drive home, take your coat off and find yourself in the fridge grabbing a beer before you even realise what you're doing. There are a few fantastic books that I could not recommend enough on these topics. So if you want to do a bit of extra reading on habits, on behavior, on healthy routines, I'd highly recommend a book called Mindset by Dr. Carol Dweck and a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. These books change the way I thought about life and also change the way I coach my clients. So let me leave you with some positivity. If you have listened all the way through, I can't thank you enough. I really do appreciate it. I am a personal trainer, but honestly, I see the health and fitness industry being so much more than that. Without sounding like a wanker, I have worked with clients and helped them save their life. I have transformed people for the better, but it's not just me. Firstly, it's the clients in front of me. Ultimately, they put in the hard work They put in the hours of graft. They do it for themselves. But I also know so many fantastic personal trainers. I know so many fantastic facilities around the UK that really know and understand the real health and fitness industry. But unfortunately, we are all so connected that people can easily be influenced by the wrong type. And that's why I'm creating this podcast to ultimately call the bullshit and bust the fitness myths. So from today's episode, food is fuel. We all have diets. This does not have to be restrictive or controlled. Some people find it hard to gain weight. That is normal. 
we are all diverse and that's fantastic and if again you want to read more about human diversity read rebel ideas by matthew saeed but finally eat your food and flip and enjoy it don't let anyone tell you what's right or wrong to put in your mouth we are all adults and we can all tell the difference between an apple and a slice of cake if you want to become the next hollister model say goodbye to your social life but to be honest you're probably a bit of a bell end anyway if you want to drop a few inches and get healthier on the inside take the longer route don't rush live life whilst hitting your goals you don't need to do it inside of a six-week program make a healthy eating lifestyle make exercise part of that lifestyle and you will be smiling along the way with a beer in your hand on that Friday. And that's why I think diets are dead. Thank you for listening. I'll catch you in the next episode. Take care.